Welcome to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. On this podcast, we share ideas and hear from guests about how they find, retain, develop, and advance women and other underrepresented groups in their accounting firms. Now, on to our guest. Today on Move Like This, I am excited to be talking to Becky Gunther. She is the Director of Total Rewards at Raymond, and I am happy to have you here, Becky. Thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Before we dive in, I want to know what the responsibilities are for a Director of Total Rewards. I don't know that I've seen that title before, but it sounds kind of awesome. It is awesome. It's a fun role. So I always say I have a a three-legged stool. So I lead everything related to benefits, well-being, and recognition program-related items at Raymond. And then I have uh, a couple of other uh, fun roles thrown in there, one being uh, the chair of our Women's Initiative Network Council, and then heading up some of our other compliance-related items like HIPAA and things like that. But yeah, it's a a very fun role, and, and I think somewhat unique. I would agree with that. Raymond has been named one of the best CPA firms for women for 10 years and one of the best firms for equity leadership for the last three years. So one of the reasons for this is related to your Women's Initiative Network, which you just mentioned. Tell me about how this program got started and then how it has evolved and grown over the years. Sure. So the program actually started um, under a different name. It was our Women's Career Advocacy Program, and it started as a pilot in 2007. And so we had, I think under, this was before I joined the firm, so under 10 pairings of protégés and sponsors. So that was sort of our first entry into a program that had that sponsorship component, which as we know is so critical and and very different than a mentor. And so we had these female leaders go through this program for a year and it was so well received that we also had male associates start coming knocking and said, wait a second, I want to be a part of a program like this too. So it ended up developing into um, a program called Raymond Career Advocacy Program. And same kind of setup with a protege and a sponsor pairing. The program itself would be a year long, meaning the components, the educational components, and sort of the responsibilities of the protege and sponsor to meet at certain times. But those relationships, of course, have lasted years and years for the people that have gone through these programs. Then as time went on, we still felt really strongly that we needed to still have that female component, that women's career advocacy component. So we still had two groups that went through this leadership development program. We renamed them Emerging Leaders and then STEP, which stands for Strategic Training in Executive Performance, <laughs> which is why we call it STEP, right? Hard to say that that name uh, too many times, yeah. but those programs remained and they still had females and males protege and sponsor pairings, year-long program. But then for the women's career advocacy component, we had the WIN Council that formed that still provided 
educational programming and support and kind of promoting that business case throughout the firm continued on that path. And so it started out that we really just still focused on those that were in step and emerging leaders. But over time, we quickly recognized that, wait a minute, we have females that are coming into the profession that they want this leadership training and and some of these tools way earlier on in their career than waiting till they get to say manager level. So over time, we have morphed this into providing programming for females across the firm, regardless of level. And and actually, many of our programs, we just open it up and whoever wants to attend can attend because I think too, as you have male associates attend those programs, they can sometimes recognize, you know, what are those unique things that perhaps I could provide to my team member who is a a future leader and and has some perhaps unique needs or what biases might exist that I'm not even aware of that Mm -hmm. I, I might be doing, right? So that's sort of how the program's morphed over time and of course, continuing to develop it and now our WIN Council is going to be, you know, partnering up a lot with our DEI initiatives as well. Well, that takes me to my next question, which was, I know we talked a little bit last year about how Raymond established a DEI Council. What are its goals and what progress have you seen so far? Yeah, so we have recognized with DEI that is it, it is a journey. It's not just something you <laughs> do overnight, right? So we have had a lot of exciting developments take place, which I'm thrilled to share. And we actually have renamed that DEI Council the Diversity Action Council. So the entire focus of that council, it's made up of individuals across different departments, locations, levels, you name it, very diverse group. And their whole focus is really ensuring that DEI is in the fabric of Raymond. So everything we do, we're not just looking at programming, you know, whether it's a vendor we're choosing or a process that we've had that we're looking to sort of embed DEI into that process that's already existing. So they're looking at at the bigger picture. It's not just providing training alone or, you know, things like that. So we have partnered up with an outside consultant, Global Bridge Builders, and working with them last year, we launched a DEI survey to our associates to try to get a really good understanding of our current state from an associate's perspective. And then we also did uh, dialogue circles. So between the survey results and the dialogue circle feedback, that consultant provided us with an executive summary and had some five um, major key areas of focus that um, they brought back to us. And so now the Diversity Action Council is actually splitting up into five committees that are addressing those five main areas of focus. So those are leadership, communication, external relationships, systems criteria and process management, And then the last one is organizational processes. So each of those committees is currently setting their three priority areas, I guess I would call them, based on the results of that survey and the dialogue circle feedback and addressing three major areas of focus as sort of their short-term goals and then um, moving on from there. 
And then something else we did last year is we launched a DEI 101 training to a subset of associates that was back in the fall, and it actually was a live session. So it wasn't an on-demand one. It was live. We wanted to see how, how that would, would work and see the, the feedback from that session. And then the plan is we will launch an on-demand version of that program to all associates, and it will be a required training sometime in late 2023 or early 2024. Something else we've done really for the past few years that is also an annual training, we'll continue to do this as well, is an unconscious bias on-demand training. So that's part of some of our uh, annual trainings that we do every year. That actually was uh, <laughs> something that came out of a, a Women's Initiative Network Council workshop that we had many years ago that was so well received. We thought, why just have this for this small group? You know, let's do this for everyone. It's been really, really well received over the years. So we'll continue with that as well. That's great. I do some unconscious bias training as well. And, and I feel like that's something that we should all go through, honestly, every few years, because you know, it's such an important thing to, we all have them, and to recognize what those biases are and then how to address them. We're not necessarily going to get rid of them, but to just recognize that they're there and it's something that we need to work through and around and over and all of those kind of things so that we can just create a better culture and environment at our firms. I think that's, I I'm, completely I'm really agree. glad to hear you're doing that. Yeah. And like I said, it's been so well received. I, I've never heard any negative feedback around it. I think people inherently want to know how can they um, promote a better workplace and how can they be a better resource to people on their teams or better coworker. And I just think it's awareness. And like you yeah. said, it's being aware. And then what do I do about it? Right. Because they creep back up as much as you, you don't intend to do it. Hence mm -hmm. the unconscious you exactly. know, part of it. So how did you find doing that live versus on demand? I personally find that often doing it live, there may be a few moments of uncomfortableness, but often it leads to some really insightful conversations. I would agree with that. I think sometimes live sessions too, you have you know, when you're, when you're watching something on demand, I don't know if you're always as engaged as when you intentionally sign up for something live. But that said, I think there's also other cons of having a live session. You know, it's, it's not as easy to have, you know, a thousand people take that same training at a given time. So I think you do have to balance it out a little bit, but the feedback was good, certainly um, having that live. And it was an interesting trial and into it. Oh, that's great. Turning the page a little bit here, pay equity is one of the areas that MOVE has been measuring since 2010, yet only in the past few years has it really become a hot topic in accounting firms. Based on your 2022 MOVE report, Raymond currently conducts internal pay equity surveys, provides training for managers on fair pay policies, and has HR review pay decisions too. So what has been the result of these policies and how have they been received by team members? 
I think what we've done around having a multi-layered process when it comes to compensation analysis, training, and then even that approved final approval of any compensation increases, having that multi-layered approach is key. It's critical. And it helps us and, you know, I think in general, for those that have a similar way of doing things, it helps you continue to be equitable and competitive uh, when it comes to compensation. So I, I think some of the the great things that have come out of it for us are certainly on the retention and engagement efforts. So, you know, we kept hearing, you know, the past couple of years, the great resignation, the great resignation. Well, I'm, I'm very excited to say Raymond didn't have that problem. <laughs> we actually great. saw the opposite. We saw record lows in our turnover. We saw record highs in our ability to recruit talent to our firm. So it, it actually, on both fronts, we saw positive results. And while compensation is a part of that, not all of it, it plays a key role, certainly, in particular with regards to recruiting top female talent. You know, we see in surveys nationally that that is still a key component to someone taking a job or leaving a job. So I, I do think it played a part. And then secondly, on the training front, we implemented compensation training into our new supervisor training and also into our supervisor toolkit is what we call it. So that's sort of an on-demand toolkit that we have for leaders that they can access at any time. And part of that includes that compensation training. So how is compensation determined? Who plays a role in determining that? You know, what are all those components that feed into it? And I think that's critical, especially when you talk about new supervisors. You can't expect someone to come into a role and just because they now have the title of manager <laughs> that they just inherently automatically know all of these things, right? So we recognize that and keep refining the process and refining the training and adding on to the toolkit. And we've heard amazing feedback. People are much in a much better spot to have those conversations, those critical conversations around compensation. They have a better understanding of how all these different pieces fit in and who, who plays a role, what is their role. So I, I really think that it's had such a positive impact in really arming our supervisors to be better supervisors and you know helping everyone as a whole to really understand that process a lot better and feel really good about it. Yes. And I think one of the key things that we look for when we're talking to firms is that there's that review step in compensation. And I think most people don't go out there intentionally trying to create an inequitable pay system, Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things that just kind of happens over time and then gets exponentially worse as you start saying, okay, everybody gets a 5% pay raise. Right. You know, if you're making $10,000 difference, that it is worse and worse and worse all along. Yeah. So I think it's great that there is somebody there. You have somebody in HR review those decisions and say, okay, this one might need to shift a little bit to make sure that somebody isn't making too much or too little based on the job that they're doing. Right. Having that multi-layered review process and, and obviously HR playing a, a part of that review process that 
I agree. It's key. And then even just making sure that you're also benchmarking and continuing to to look at those different data points at different times, even during the year, you know, not just once a year. So I do think you're totally right in that, you know, it's that critical analysis piece of it. Because again, it's those, uh, you don't want to have those unconscious biases that that stick around unintentionally. And then like you said, expound um, over time. No, I love that. What are some new things that you have on the horizon in terms of growth or becoming the employer of choice for women in the profession? We always have exciting things happening <laughs> at Raven, which is one of the reasons I, I I will have been here, you know, 12 years in October. It's it's always a fun, fun and exciting time. And we're always looking at what can we be doing new and different. So one of the really exciting things that we just launched and that I think will play a big part in what we can do from a women's initiative standpoint, too, in particular, is we've uh, developed a partnership with LinkedIn Learning. So that's hot off the press and will enable us to have a lot more in the way of on-demand learning paths that we can create that are specific to women's uh, women in leadership and then on the DEI front as well. So we can really create course catalogs and learning, we call them learning paths that are easily searchable on those particular fronts. Um, which I think will really help us. And we have such a a huge offering now versus what we had before. So we're absolutely planning on leveraging that from a DEI and a women's initiative standpoint. But then also we have a lot on the well-being front, which I'm also very excited about, but I think plays into some of what we've seen happening in particular when you talk about retaining your female talent pipeline. We've heard since, uh, particularly since COVID hit, that we've seen women leaving the workforce in droves. How do we keep them here? Well, you keep them here by figuring out what is it that is making them leave and how can we perhaps support them better in the workplace to keep them here? So a lot of that does have to do with some of the well-being initiatives, particularly around caregiver support. So earlier this year, we actually launched a caregiver support platform called Careloop. So it's a dedicated care coach that those individuals can go to and and get hours and hours of help, whatever they need to support their caregiving need, whether that's elder care, pediatric, combination of both, education. So, you know, if you have someone, uh, say a dependent that needs an IEP or, you know, this, these processes take lots of time and energy to go through. And if we can support our people, then again, I do think that plays into how, how do we keep great female talent in the workforce? So we're, we're doing a lot on that front. I anticipate that we will also continue to expand our leave processes and, and benefits, particularly around parental leave. So that's definitely on our areas of focus and absolutely a lot more on um, the mental health space as well. Because again, I think we've seen sort of the impacts of that in in these groups. So those are just a couple of things that that we have brewing, uh, but very exciting. It's so supportive too. I love that. I think sometimes employers forget that life happens 
And there's all these other elements that are pulling you in different directions. And I love the fact also that you mentioned elder care as well as child care, mm -hmm. because I know that's an issue that is coming up for a lot of us of a certain age. And it's not as often that you hear about processes and policies and systems in place to support people that are going through an elder care situation. Yeah, and we have a lot in in that sandwich generation where you see they've got support. They need support on both sides, the pediatric and the elder care, and it's it's a lot. And you know, it's exciting that we've been able able to implement those benefits. And you know, over time too, even with our EAP, we've uh, enhanced that, and we now have a maternity support benefit. So we're focusing a lot on that whole person sort of mentality like you said, it's not like you have this personal life and then a work life. They're so blended. And as much as you might not try to bring your personal life to work, it's sort of impossible to compartmentalize that that much. So we're really excited about some of the things we've been able to do over the past couple of years in that space. And then, you know, what we've got on the horizon as well. I see why you did not have as much of a problem with women leaving the workforce at Raymond. What advice do you have for other firms that are looking to expand their talent pipeline and attract women and frankly, just a more diverse workforce overall? Sure. I I really truly believe it's that whole person approach. I think if you can focus on what are the things that you can do, whether you're a small firm or a large firm, what can you do to impact that person as a whole and that em employee experience as a whole, whether that's career development related items, support for family, and so on and so forth. But I think it's taking that whole person approach and trying to think a little bit outside of the box. And it's a challenge sometimes, but, you know, I, I do think that whether, like I said, you're small or, or large, you know, you can do a lot of things sort of grassroots. Everybody has to start somewhere. And I would say, too, don't try to tackle it all at once. You know, baby steps. Like I said, every year we think of, you know, what are our strategic goals this year from a, from a people perspective and pick a few key things to work on. And, and you keep moving it forward. So I think sometimes if you try to look at it all, it, it can feel overwhelming, but if you sort of baby step it, you can see a lot of success that way. And and like you said earlier, it's a process. It's not yeah. a- It's a journey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is, it, it's one of those kind of things where you're never really done, but you exactly. make such great progress and create a culture where people want to work and where they can- thrive and they can kind of create their own career journey mm -hmm. that makes sense for them and benefits the firm as well. Absolutely. That's why I like how from a learning perspective, we call it learning paths, right? No one, no one path is going to look like another. Um, and it's the same just with the our associates journey as a whole, you know, no one career at Raymond is going to look the same. And I would venture to say that's true any anywhere. And I think too, listening to your people, you know, what, what do they value? What do they need? What do they want? We're constantly checking back to see, give us your feedback. This year, we're going to launch a benefit specific 
engagement survey. So figuring out, we offer all these things, but what do you really value? What do you use? What do you value? Are there things we're not offering today that you would like to see us offer? And we do that through an annual engagement survey too, just from our people-related items as a whole. But we're really starting to drill down even to some key areas of HR-related items to try to figure out what do our people value and, and how can we best impact those needs and, and wants. Raymond is just one of those firms that seems to be head and shoulders above many. <laughs> we appreciate you saying that. We feel like we are, but it, like I said, it's a journey and and it's not without that continued effort of thinking, how can we continue to move the dial and support our people and and bring great talent to the firm too? Yeah. And your point about checking in with people yeah. at the firm is key. Listening can be very underrated, I feel like, and <laughs> it's such a key component. You need to listen. You could ha- you could have very large pockets from a budget perspective, and you can spend it in a lot of ways, but if you're not spending those dollars on you know things that people value and want or need, it doesn't make a lot of impact. I agree. I think that's a good lesson, not just in a work environment, but in all our- In life. <laughs> every relationship, we should be right. listening. Right. Probably Listen. more than we already are. Absolutely. I want to ask you just a few closing questions that I'm curious about and I ask all, on all my podcasts so far. So when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? So it's kind of funny you asked that question because I was literally having this conversation with one of my uh, longtime friends who've known each other since the eighth grade, and she had found some old yearbooks, and one of them was from our eighth grade yearbook, so you know we were graduating, right, from grade school, and we had in there different quotes from each of the eighth graders saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we were looking back at it and mine said, I want to be a psychologist, which I kind of laugh because while I didn't end up becoming a psychologist, I am in a position where I do listen to and help people in in a unique way each and every day. So it's sort of ironic and, and fun that that ended up happening that way. I like that. That is actually something I thought about pursuing myself too. And uh, while I did not, I do in some ways fill that role often, with, whether it be with friends or with clients that right. just kind Family. of have those conversations, right? Yeah. yeah. I've always wanted to help people and and I, I feel very lucky that I ended up in a role where I, I do get to do that. Yes. That's very fulfilling and makes you feel good at the end of the day. Absolutely. If you were given a chance to travel anywhere for free, you don't have to worry about taking time off or anything like that, where would you go and why? I have always wanted to stay in one of those over the water uh, little huts. And I think Bora Bora is the one they always advertise. And you see these you know, beautiful aqua colored water and you know, it seems so relaxing. And I think the reason why I would like to do that is just, it seems like you're totally unplugged and just total relaxation. And it's, we live in such a world where you hustle, hustle, hustle so much, both, you know, personally, professionally, and it would be nice to just sort of not do anything and uh, sit in one of those over the water huts and read a good book. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am so with you on that. I, I think Bora Bora, and then I've seen some in the Maldives yes. as well that I would love to do that. Cause yeah, the idea of just laying in one of those over the water hammocks and like you say, reading yeah. a good oh, book. Absolutely. Just sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> I agree. So finally, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? That's a tough one. I I would like a lot of different ones, but I guess if I had to pick one, I think, you know, we have, especially over the last three years, I feel like there's so much negativity that you hear out in the world and, you know, it, it, it can sometimes wear on you. I almost feel like it'd be nice to have the power of like a positivity ray or something where, you know, if you hear something negative or someone's really... Uh, negative, you could zap them with the positivity ray or uh, they and, and they would, would uh, cut that out right away. That would be nice. <laughs> okay. I think that that is definitely going on my list of great superpowers <laughs> to have. Because yeah, just think about how many fights you would break up before they even happen. Yeah, uh, right. Yes. Exactly. Okay. I really like that. Well, thank you so much, Becky, for being with me today and sharing all the wonderful things that are going on at Raymond. And I can't thank you enough for being a move firm. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Likewise. And thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Thank you for listening to move like this brought to you by the accounting move project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at accountingmoveproject.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues too. I'm your host, Bonnie Buell-Russick, and until next time, keep moving forward.